The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get cranking with this. So we've got the main man, Brad, here. I know you guys know me. This is my cohort in crime, uh, Tony Woodall, a.k.a. Big Country. If you guys have any issues in terms of uh, hearing me or whatever, just let me know. Hit me up in the chat, whatever that looks like. So here's kind of what we've got going. First, you're going to need some pen and paper, a little bit of space for yourself to think while we get through this. This is part one of a three-part process in terms of goal setting that we're going to be going over for the next three months. And so part of this, I, I wanted Tony here with me. And so let me introduce Tony for just a minute. So Tony's been with me for what, six, six years, six, okay. seven years, something yeah. like that. Tony was my, my first hire ever and uh, still my best hire because he's still with me. So he's still plugging around <laughs> over here. And Tony's done like really everything in terms of this business. So whenever I started with Tony, we were doing like two, three transactions a month and we've grown from there. And so he really was like every single thing in the business that I've ever done. So, I mean, he's done the rehab side. He's the best buyer that we've ever had. He's really great on the sales side. He's created his own notes. So, you know, part of it that I wanted for him was for him to do his own transactions and he's done his own transactions. He's got a couple rehabs going retail right now. So that's what he's done. And it's kind of fun that we, we sort of have the story that we do. I met Tony at the coffee shop. So you never know where your hires are going to come from. But um, Tony's one of these people where if you go to a restaurant with him or you see him out in public, not only do people know Tony, they don't come up and just say hi. They come up and give him a hug. And so over time, I really got to know Tony because I started going to the coffee shop a lot when I was in grad school. And so one day I walked in and you said, like, uh, now I know you do real estate, but what is it exactly that you do. Yeah, it didn't seem to me to be like normal. I've got a lot of friends who are real estate agents and you you didn't seem like the normal real estate guy. I was not the, the normal real estate guy. But the, the fun part was Tony was looking to buy a house. He had a pretty good deal. So you posted on Craigslist or you saw something on Craigslist? Well, I I'd had a business about 12 years ago that had gone under and it left me a little over a half million dollars in debt. And so I was still in the process of paying off that $600,000 of debt. and Which so, he did not bankrupt on, by the way. He decided 600 k we're going to pay it, which yeah. is, I think is amazing. So I couldn't get a loan. So my only hope was to find somebody that would owner finance me or lease purchase or rent to own. I didn't understand what whatever that, that meant. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand anything about that at the time. So I was looking on Craigslist late one night and I saw this ad that said, uh, I'm going to lose my house to foreclosure. Can you help me? And I called that number at like midnight and the little lady answered. And it was a house just on the outskirts of Murfreesboro out in the Christiana kind of Christiana area. Yeah. And went out there and saw it the next day and called a buddy of mine and said, Hey, I want to buy this house from this lady. Would you let me borrow the money and I'll pay you? And so he said, well, yes, I will. He said, my partner and I have been looking for somebody that we feel like is doing some things in the community and to, we could help. And so the next day I say to Brad at the Starbucks, I say, what exactly is it you do with real estate? And of course I jump in. I'm like, well, you know, we're buying subject two and we're creating wraps. And he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> what the world he was talking about. <laughs> when I told him what happened the night before, he goes, oh, don't borrow that money. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like so excited. I was like, man, pre-foreclosure, we'll buy this thing subject to. We're going to take over this loan and here's what we're going to do. We're selling with under financing and get this down payment. And I could just see Tony going glass eyed. And oh. I was like, well, we'll walk through this thing. And he ended up buying the deal. Yeah, uh, he had already committed to his yeah. friend that he would put them in on it, and you ended up exiting that retail. 
Yeah. So the guys who let me borrow the money, they came to me and said, if you decide you want to get out of this, let us know. We'd like to have it as a rental. Mm -hmm. So then we we felt like we had about $20,000 equity in the house. So we just split it. Cool. They wrote me a check for 10 grand and I walked. Yeah, right on, right on. So that was the first deal Tony did. It wasn't exactly the sub two deal that I wanted to do, but that's how it goes. But I will tell you this quick one right quick. About a week after this whole thing first started, oh yeah, we're back yeah. in Starbucks and Brad said, hey, listen, I'm real busy today. Do you mind calling this guy right here and asking him how much he wants for his house? And I'm like, Brad, I, I'm not a realtor. And he said, you don't have to be a realtor. Just call the guy and ask him how much he wants for his house. And I said, okay. So I called the guy and asked him how much he wanted for his house. And he told me. So I texted Brad back and said, now we hardly knew each other at all. And I said, uh, hey, listen, here's how much he wants for his house. And he says, great. He said, listen, do you mind riding over to, uh, it's right off Trinity Lane, see the house, tell the guy you want to come see it, meet him. And if the house is not burned to the ground, Go to some little restaurant. Just please buy just, it. Just buy it. Just put it under contract. And I said, I don't have a contract. He said, well, I just emailed it to you. All you got to do is go to a little print shop. And you can print it out. So I drove downtown, met this guy at his house. He pulled up in this Cadillac convertibles, like early 1950s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. And so I met him at, at White Castle with my two page standard purchase and sales agreement that I didn't know the first thing about, we get the thing filled out and I text Brad and say, do I sign this? <laughs> Brad said, well, yes, but not, but well, that's far as I'll go. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, as it turns out, we didn't get that house. Yeah. But that's kind of what put us to working together because what he didn't know at the time was I'd already tried to go and buy this house at the price the man had offered me on the deal. And he did not like me whatsoever. And it's really rare that older people don't like me because I was raised by my grandparents, you know. And so, but he loved Tony, but we we still, you know, we, we didn't get across the finish line that time, but that's okay. So I think the only reason he really hired me was because I had wrinkles. <laughs> and and older people, they like somebody. They have a hard time believing some of the young investors can actually do financially what they're saying they can do. But I looked a lot younger seven years ago. Boy, idiot. <laughs> All right. Cool. So that's uh, kind of how me and Tony got started. You're going to be seeing more Tony in the coming weeks. But uh, for those that have gone through the training, uh, he did the mindset workshops that we have. So Here's kind of how the agenda is going to go. We have three nights together and a couple of things here. Number one, you're going to want a pen and paper because we're going to be doing some work together. Secondly, if you're here tonight, I think it really behooves you to be here the next two nights, okay? Because we're going to be building on things as things go on. And I thought about doing this in terms of like a three-hour segment, but I thought that might be like too much. And honestly, my mind kind of goes blank and fried after a certain amount of time anyway but we're going to be planting seeds for us to begin to grow and nurture tomorrow night. All right. So tonight we're going to be talking about setting the stage for the new year. We're going to be talking about what are the strengths in our businesses and let me back up. Okay. So it's really important that we go through this in a certain segmented order. Okay. Because I feel like a lot of people understand that the goals that they've set for this year, many of them didn't get met. Okay. And that's a really big problem that we see like I, I go to the gym a couple of times, well, I guess three or four times a week. And I love this time of year, but I really detest the next two weeks because you have all these people that jump in. They don't understand how to use the equipment. They're all over the place. And you can tell like, okay, in three or four weeks, they're, they're going to be gone. By mid-February, they're going to be gone. And I really hate that because people really sell themselves short because they don't commit. And we'll get to that in just a, a few minutes. But at the end of the day, we're going to be talking about setting the stage tonight. Okay. So we're going to be doing some work so that we can put ourselves in the place that we need to be for the next two nights. Okay. Tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about overcoming the obstacles. And most of that's going to be with Tony. We're going to be doing, what do we call it? Belief busters. Belief busters. I can never think about that. Belief busters. So we're going to be talking about what are our beliefs about the new year and about ourselves so that we can bust those to, to really have a lot of breakthroughs. And then night three, we're going to set our goals. That's the night that we're going to set our goals. And we're going to come up with an action plan based on what we're talking about. Okay. So 
want you guys to capture all of that. So, of course, I understand, you know, children happen and some holiday stuff is still going on. But if, if at all possible that you guys make the next two nights, if you can. OK, so let's talk about why this is even important. OK, and I've kind of alluded to this a little bit. Most goal planning fails and it's a, it's a really terrible thing. But most goal planning fails. And I think the problem with most goal planning is you think about the outcome that you want before you think about where you are in your business first. Okay, so what do we have to work with? What's going well? What's what's not going well? And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And then we don't really think about our mindset and the baggage that we bring to what the goals are as well. Okay, so we're thinking about this outcome that we get excited about, but we don't really have a plan and we don't really have we haven't really done the work that is going to be needed to implement to take us there anyway, right? And so that's what I want to, to get through with you guys is coming up with a good base, a good foundation, which is what we're doing tonight, setting an expectation for our belief systems tomorrow night. And then at that point, really doing what everybody else does, which is talking about the outcome, okay? The outcome is the maybe the last 10 or 15% of this, we got a lot of work to do beforehand. The process. Yeah, the process is really, really important, okay? And so let me tell you kind of the impact that this process has had in my business, okay? Right when me and Tony got together, I was doing a couple deals a month and I was going to retail some, I was doing owner finance some as well. But overall, the, the process kind of started with this because every year I've been big on like, okay, let's come up with a new year's goal or new year's resolution. And that's what everybody does. And that's a big problem if you don't do the work like I've talked about, but bye. Thank you. And it's one of those things that if you don't do the work beforehand, you're really selling yourself short. And that's what a lot of people do, but, and that's what I was doing in my business. You know, so I was setting transaction numbers at the time. I would think about, okay, I want to do 12 deals a year. I want to do 24 deals a year. And I know a lot of real estate agents do this as well, you know, but what I found was that the transactions that I was doing at the end of the year, my last three or four transactions were not as good as my first three or four. And that's something that I see all the time. And I've talked about that to a certain extent. Whenever I started looking at the business and setting goals the way that we're going to be implementing now, okay, with anchors that are around us all the time, with thinking about these things, writing the goals down, all those kinds of things, then it really propelled me very, very quickly. So one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to hit 100K per month and equity position created. Okay, 100K per month was like really where I was trying to hit. And within four months of me implementing these kinds of processes, yeah. we hit, it, yeah. you know, and it became really, really processed and systematic at that time. And we haven't turned around since. So, you know, what we're going to be sharing with you is something that has impacted my business to a big, big extent. And I'm really excited. I've been excited about this since we really mm -hmm. decided to do it. So, um, and at the end of the day, why are we doing this? I, I want you guys to succeed. Like I, I have so much fun seeing you guys do these kinds of deals to provide the support that you need when you need it. And it's just so much fun. It gives me a lot of significance to, to be a small part in what you guys are doing all across the country. We're having success and, and really uh, with Braden and his group uh, internationally, Lee and uh, Derek as well. So uh, really appreciate you guys being with us. So let's get into this. And this is where it's kind of become interactive. I know that a lot of you guys I've become good friends with and I know pretty well. So a lot of this, we're going to come off of mute and, and have a good time together. But the first thing I want you guys to think about are what are your strengths in your business? Okay. What's the strengths that you have coming up in the new year? And so what I want to do is I want to take maybe 90 seconds. Let's come up with a list of strengths that you feel like you have just top of mind. Don't think about it a whole lot. And this is not the time to be humble either. Okay. So think about what's the strengths in your business, whatever that is. And I'm going to go first. So for me, I know that we're world-class buyers. We are very, very good at buying equity position with terms. Okay. And it's to the point that I'm very, very comfortable saying that now. We've done a lot of deals. And so whenever I was starting it, I wouldn't have said that. You know, it, it was a struggle for me to really believe and understand that people would sell an equity position with terms or 0% interest like we've gotten over time, like we've done, okay? But I know now that if whatever happens, calamity happens, God forbid, I'm, I'm dropped in another state and I have no contacts, that I can always negotiate, I can always create equity positions based on what we do, okay? Uh, another thing that we're, we're really good or another strength that we have is we have an abundance of private money, okay? We've got people that we've worked with for a long time. They're happy to lend money on deals that we have if we need cash, 
then we can always have that. And then another strength that we have, we've got a great team. Tony's been with me for a long time. I've been doing this for a while now, you know, and we've got support staff now around us that are really, really helpful to, to help us when we need it. Okay. So that's a few things that we have that is really our strength, our core strengths coming into the new year. So I want you guys to take maybe 90 seconds. Think about what the strengths are for you and your business, whatever that is. Take a few moments, write that down. We're going to come off of mute here in just a minute and talk about that. All right, guys, who wants to come off of mute and talk about what they feel their strengths are coming into the new year? Brad, I'm happy to give it a shot. <clears throat> yeah, man. Go ahead, Will. Okay, just started. Um, so the strengths that I'm bringing into my business this new year, uh, one is talking to people and listening in such a way that I'm empathizing to solve problems. And I think that helps me bring credibility to the table when I'm working with a seller to work towards a solution that works for them. And I would say the other thing is just energetic, full of hustle and striving to learn and improve. So every month is a self check of how can I get better at this? How can I improve? And I feel like I'm not like in such a way that I'm, you know, set or won't fix or change at any point in time, I can pivot and change in order to improve. And I think those are my strengths going into this new year. Really, really good, man. Appreciate you sharing. And I would totally agree. Will, Will is the kind of person that uh, it's not difficult for him to listen more than he's talking. So, and that's really, really good frame, which we've talked about a lot, you know, so when we go through the perfect presentation, it's not about us selling something or trying to sell ourselves. It's about them presenting to us in a way that makes us say yes, if it does indeed make us say yes. So that that's really, really good. Anybody else? Let's do one more. Anybody else want to talk about uh, some of the shrinks that they're bringing into the new year? Alma, I saw that you unmuted. Not sure if you can. I'm yeah. not hearing you if you did. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Alma. I did. Um, uh, I think that John, you know, because I work with my husband, John and I uh, mm -hmm. uh, make a good team. We also have a partner named Brenda, and she is uh, very strong. She used to work for banks, so she understands financial and all that good stuff, which I don't necessarily understand very well. I mean, my background is actually architecture, so I'm really not very um, good with numbers. Uh, or understand cap rates and stuff like that. I'm learning all of that. Uh, but I, I, I'm very eager to learn new things and new um, methods. And uh, so that I think that I've got that going for me. On the other hand, I don't really relish speaking to people, but I'm willing to make phone calls. And so I am doing, I am, I'm doing that more and more, as well as you know, just texting people. But, you know, when it comes to getting on the phone, then I'm not necessarily uh, the best at that, but I'm willing to make those calls and, and talk to people. Very so, good. So, yeah. So it sounds like work ethic because it's not something that you really love doing, but you're willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into paid price to action in just a bit, but then also that you've got a, a good team around you. So that that's fantastic. So I'm going to mute everyone in the room for just a minute. And we're going to talk about what are the weaknesses. So we went over strengths. Let's talk about the weaknesses. And so weaknesses are something that we have to acknowledge because everybody has them. I have weaknesses. Tony has weaknesses. Everybody has weaknesses. And so the people that say that they don't have weaknesses, they're, well, you just found out their first weakness, which mm -hmm. is honesty. So, you know, the, the thing about this business is that I really feel like anybody that commits to the business that has a good plan, which we do, can be successful in the business if they don't quit and they're committed to the business long term. So like a, a good plan implemented long term is always going to be successful. Um, but we have to understand what our weaknesses are so that we can kind of plan for those. So by far, my worst weakness is organization. And in fact, it's so bad that like, I don't even care. Like, I don't want to be organized. Like, and, and maybe that's a strength in a certain way because I'm, I'm big picture as opposed mm -hmm. to detail oriented. But, um, you know, we have to understand our weaknesses. And so, like, I'm not allowed to have paperwork. Okay. So, like, I know in my business that organization is such a weakness for me that I'm not allowed to have paperwork because I'll lose it. And I've lost $15,000 checks before. Do you remember that time it was in the file and, and you had to call Judy and say, Hey, is this a real check? <laughs> you know, I've lost checks before. Uh, I've lost HUDs. I've lost deeds before. We just lost a deed 
on a deal a couple weeks ago that ended up being in the file because they filed it, you know, not because I did the right thing. So let's take a, a couple minutes and uh, same people can answer if they like, but other people are, are more than welcome to jump in. I, I hate to have to start calling on people, but I will. Can, can I say one thing about Yeah, that? go ahead, Tom. You, you alluded to something that's very important to understand. Our weaknesses do not make us less able to succeed. Every weakness we have is usually tied to some strength that we have. If you were a, a total organ, organizational guru, mm -hmm. most likely you would not be a dreamer. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's 100% right. You know, it, it, is the, it is the fact that your dreams and your vision take up so much space in your, in your psyche, in your, in your dreamer, in your, uh, that there's not enough room there for you to have a bunch of files. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so outside of my personality type yeah. that I, so I just personally don't, do don't take your weaknesses as something that, uh, will cause you not to be able to accomplish this. And, and the weakness could also be outside of you to a certain extent. You know, you could have a, a situation you could have uh, maybe there's a health issue that makes you low energy, and and that's that's a weakness that is not something that you cause. It's not necessarily about your personality type, but it's something that's a weakness in terms of you accomplishing what you have to accomplish for 21, mm -hmm. right? So let's take a minute, maybe 60, 90 seconds. I'm sure some of you guys are already working on this. Let's take a, a couple moments and think about and write down what are some of the weaknesses that we have for our business, and we all have them. All right, guys, uh, who wants to jump in? And and this is where it's not as fun. Uh, let's talk about what our weaknesses are. So who wants to jump in? Hey, I'll go. Carl, go ahead, buddy. All right. Here's, it's a kind of a weird one, but, um, and I think you maybe even said it earlier. It's um, something, I guess, like along the lines of stamina, meaning that I'm very structured sometimes and I'll only put so many, you know, appointments on my schedule to mm -hmm. the point that you know i'm like you know okay this and no more and i'll let deals go just because i don't you know i've got to you know hey if i can't do much more than this because i know my brain turns off at a certain point of the evening usually about six eight six p.m but i find that that's kind of limiting in a way sure and so i look at that as one and the other one is i took one of those personality tests that you know like you're yeah, Keller Williams does. It's I forget what it's called, disc. but it tells you your disc assessment. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, and uh, it was something I learned recently about myself, and it kind of explains something too. I have this. I'm sort of on the aesthetic end of it. I think I'm a a high S mm -hmm. or a, you know or a C. But anyway, um, there's an aesthetic piece to that, and I think I've told you a couple of times. I'll go to a house. And it's so nasty. When I get home, I strip down in the garage, you know, because because I hate going around to, you know, some of the nastier end homes. But, you know, a lot of times those are the big gold gold mine homes. Yeah. But I find that, you know, if it's that bad, I don't want to go back a lot. of times. Now, Tony, you ever been to one of those? No, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just par for the Spring course. Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I remember anyway, that. that's it. Oh, Dixon. Yeah, man, that, that, that's a really good share. That's a really good share. So um, anybody else want to jump in and talk about what they feel like may, might be one of their weaknesses? I can go. All right, Joe, go ahead. Um, I think my, my big weakness um, is just not having a really clear focus on one thing. It's kind of like the shiny object syndrome. So I've noticed since I've started going through this course, I've had a, a difficult time just focusing on this material and not like seeing a vacant lot and like figuring out how many units I could get on there or something right. like just random crap like that. So just being like laser focused on one thing until I master it and then moving on. Yeah. And, and that, that makes sense. But like Tony said, you know, that's one of those that I think easily could be, you know, called like, okay, we're not laser focused on one thing, which owner finance, but I mean, we're not either. 
You know, so like if, if we see a vacant lot that could be multifamily, then we're looking at that as a multifamily deal and we're going to sell it off to that multifamily developer. I'm not going to do it. Right. But, you know, being laser focused is good and bad. So, I mean, I think that that could really go for both. But I appreciate you sharing, man. That's really good. One thing that I, I didn't hear that I wanted to talk about, I just thought about this because I see this more often than I ever expected that I would. And I think that a significant weakness for our business is a, a fear of success. Now, a lot of people have fear of failure, but I think, and, and that's easily recognizable. You know, a lot of people I think are afraid to fail and it keeps them from moving forward. But on the opposite end of that same coin, you have the fear of success, you know, and it's the thought of, well, you know, what happens if I get this money and I lose it? What happens if my friends that I've known for 20 years that they don't look at me the same way, right? So, I mean, have you ever seen this happen with someone and then they just self-sabotage to just like drive themselves into the ground? And th this is one of those things. It's not easily recognizable, but I see it a, a lot. Yeah. When we, a lot of times we don't think we're worthy. Yeah, man. To, uh, to be su successful. I mean, you know, I look back at some stupid mistakes, stupid decisions I made in my life. Sometimes I call them mistakes because it makes me feel better about them, but they were just dumbass decisions that I made and they led to terrible results. Yeah. So then, you know, you look at that, looking back on that. Now, now a lot of you guys are probably a lot younger than me. Uh, but when you get 60 and have seven grandchildren, you, you got a lot of years to look back on. So yeah. you look back on that and you think, I, I really don't need to succeed now. I've kind of missed my shot. Oh man. Yeah. And uh, that's just not true. That's just not true. You just need to, you got to learn to turn loose of that stuff. And I don't know, you know, let the universe, let the good Lord, let whatever it is that you're, you believe is remembering all this stuff. Actually, we're the ones remembering all this crap. Yeah. We're, we're, we're holding ourselves back. And so you gotta, you gotta turn loose. Yeah. And, and let yourself succeed. Definitely get into that. So let's switch gears and let's talk about the opportunities. So this is where it starts to get a little bit more fun. We got through the, the weaknesses. Let's talk about the opportunities. What are the opportunities again, 90 seconds. Let's come down with what are the opportunities for you and your business right now? 2021 take 90 seconds. Go. All right, guys, who wants to talk about the opportunity, the opportunity for 2021? I'll go. Okay, Alma, great. So um, what's great about this whole thing is that the whole thing, uh, I mean, the world has gone virtual. We can do business, business anywhere. We don't have to go and look at a house. We can get photographs or whatever. Everything is over the internet, so that's great because driving everywhere really is a waste of time. Uh, in, my, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And with, with the virus, one thing to add to that with the virus, you know, a lot of people don't want to list with a realtor and have 30, 40 people come through the house. They want one person, one sale and to be done. That's so true. And uh, so that leads to the huge pool of properties that we can, that there are out there for us to do business on. So that's another great opportunity. I mean, they kind of tie together. Yes. Absolutely. Seven and a half million houses in forbearance right now or behind on payments nationally. Yeah. And um, I think that the, the third opportunity that I see is the mentorship. I mean, this group and then John works with another group as well. I mean, we're always looking for people that want to help people out. And so there are a lot of great coaches out there. You're included in that group, which is why I'm here. So I just think that that's awesome that we can connect with people like this and learn from your experience and, you know, all the information that you have to give to others. And I think that's wonderful. Great opportunity uh, for us. Yeah. I, I appreciate that very much. I mean, you, you guys do more for me than I could ever do for you. So I, I appreciate that. And thanks for sharing. Raphael, I think you unmuted if you want to jump in. Yeah, I think the opportunity that I have right now is that for one, I'm in Vegas and a lot of um, Vegas is probably one of the harder hit economies. So yeah. um, deal flow has really been difficult for me. I think mostly because uh, people operate on very different margins, I think, for some reason out here. But I think that this upcoming year, 
be a opportunity for me. Uh, I think that um, because of where I started, man, mindset wise and being brand new in real estate when we first started, um, I took a lot of bumps and bruises internally and mentally and mindset wise. And uh, I think I've gotten to a point where I'm like even kill when it comes to when things fall through. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know how to get to the, get things papered up. I think if I actually get in front of them. So I feel, I feel like an opportunity at this point is that I've taken so many like bumps and bruises that brought, provided me with experience that if I don't run out of, uh, the will and resources, I think I got everything that I need to be really well in the business as long as I have lead flow. And I think that's an opportunity for me. And I think this upcoming year will be my, my chance to, to take advantage of that. So I think those are my primary opportunities right now. Obviously, having access to you and the um, the group when I run into um, the more technical challenges that I don't necessarily uh, haven't experienced just yet will be beneficial. And that's an opportunity to continue taking advantage of. But my two primary opportunities, I think, is what I said at first is one, the fact that I'm in Vegas and it's probably one of the harder hit economies or will be. Yeah. And two, I've gotten to a point where I don't really feel anything when things fall through but i also feel like i gotta um been through enough of the process that i'll feel comfortable papering it up and going and getting everything closed out assuming that i don't run out of uh you know the will like i said the will and resources so those are my two big opportunities i think yeah dude i love that i mean and i think the second thing is more important than the first i mean the market is is substantial don't get me wrong but what i'm hearing in the second part is confidence and abundance so, I mean, you have the confidence to go in and get it papered. And then if it falls through, it's like, look, there's another deal coming. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. And I mean, that's something I, I've preached around here. It's like mm-hmm. all the time, you know, mm-hmm. really cool. So let's switch gears there and let's talk about the threats. So what threats do we have against our business? Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's a thought process we have. Let's take about 90 seconds and come up with, with what are the threats that we have against our business? So 90 seconds, see them. All right, guys, let's talk about the threats. So what threats can we come up with that are um, going to possibly impact our business in 2021? So what can we come up with there? I feel like uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit afraid of uh, losing some money here. <laughs> okay. Risk of loss. Yeah. Yeah. And not really gaining, you know, uh, and being one of those um, entrepreneurs that put 50 to day into something that didn't work out. Okay. No matter how hard I try, interesting um, failure, you know, and and also I thought about um the fear, the change of government and everything, fear of regulation and taxes, how it might, how it might change the game on real estate, um, with regulations and you know we might have to come up with new strategies and all, all the time and money invested in uh, education on what we know now to have to change it up again. Yeah. And, and I think you brought up a really good point. Uh, so I'm doing this with you guys as we go. And so my, my number one is policy. So with the new administration coming in, what kind of policies are they going to, uh, to implement that may impact the business? And, and what I, one thing that I'm seeing is kind of like what t- Tony talked about earlier is with every threat, there's also an equal opportunity as well. So, you know, one of the main ones being, you know, Biden has publicly talked about a longer moratorium on eviction. Well, I mean, that's a bad thing if you're a landlord, but that's that creates an opportunity for us because, you know, tired landlords are in the big five in terms of motivation. So we bought a lot of property from tired landlords. And over time, they're just going to get tireder. So whenever the dam breaks, like talk, going back to Raft's situation in Las Vegas, you know, Las Vegas, we were going to have, uh, so David Alexander was having a mastermind there in Las Vegas, invited me to come and talk to everybody. And we were set to go. And then at the last second, they said, hey, you know, we can't have groups of more than 15 people. So, I mean, Las Vegas is one of those areas that that just got absolutely hammered. And that's a big threat. But it's also an opportunity in terms of the buy side. So whenever the dam breaks, it's going to be full of water, right? So 100% understand what you mean in terms of policy and, you know, that kind of thing. But one of the things I've found, guys, when I started in 2010, owner financing worked. And when the market started to get really hot in 2016 and 17, owner financing still worked. Tony, on his first owner finance deal, got the best down payment that I'd ever seen at the time in a little podunk town. What was it like a 50K down payment? $45,000. $45,000 down payment in a market where there's not 
4,500 people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, So with every threat, we also have an opportunity. So I appreciate you sharing, man. Anybody else want to jump in and talk about uh, threats, possible threats that they see to their business? I think that uh, uh, for me, the possible threat that I see is that I don't operate in a vacuum, right? When I say there's opportunity here, I'm starting to get more voice message drops and phone calls. So I think there's, there'll be increased competition which wouldn't be a problem if I didn't see a lot of the creative finance strategies being pushed. So my concern is that people give the business a bad rep by the, and by the time I get to them, they've already been like jaded one way or the other. So my, that that's part of my concern. Cause I see a lot of, uh, I see a lot of stuff on Facebook. Maybe it's cause I'm in this, <laughs> this group, but I'll seek sub to and creative finance. And I know people are going to jack it up and what's going on. But what that does is, create a stigma, which I'm, which it may or may not ever, it may not ever materialize, but in my mind, that, that's a concern. Also, I mean, I got a W-2 and I just started my, this new position. I've been working for the government for a while, but a new position. So as, as I get experience, I tend to get more assignments. So, which means I have less time. I'm hoping that there'll be a, that I'll continue to have a balance like I did at my previous job. I think I will. It looks like I will, but there's always that possibility um, that things increase to the point where I have to travel all the time. As long as I don't have to travel, I can make it work. But if I have to travel a lot, then um, it complicates things for me. So those are my threats. Gotcha. So it sounds like time is a major one and then some fear around the market and what the market looks like uh, in the future, which yeah. I think is a big one. Yeah. Can I say something about time? You know, I work full time. I mean, what I do full time is with Brad, but I also, I invest in property myself on the side. So I personally cannot do, I don't have the time to do what, we're doing as a company, what Brad's doing with the people he's brought around him. But I will have to say that if I just did three deals a year and had one going on at a time and each one of them took four months from the time I started till the time that thing closed and they wrote me a check and I averaged about, I don't know, $20,000, $25,000 a pop on each one of those. Seventy-five grand's a pretty nice little side hustle to do something I enjoy. Uh, in a year's time. So I, I want to encourage you not to get discouraged. You don't have to be Brad this week. It, take your time and let yourself move into this thing and increase, add expectation each year as you go forward. You, you'll probably find out that you'll get there a whole lot quicker than you thought. If you will not put so much pressure and so much, let the fear of failure um, uh, Brad told you when we started, when we first started this, we were doing, you know, two a month. And then within two or three years, we were doing five a month. And the next thing you know, we were pushing our goals to seven or eight a month. And um, so let, let it unfold. Stay focused on your primary principles of what makes this work. The process is what's important. Stay focused on the process and the results will take care of themselves. Yeah, dude, that is so important. So uh, a couple of things that I, I had down. So for me, the big threat that I feel is policy. And I think that, again, that that's just as much of, of an opportunity as it is a threat. This is what I see for a lot of people. I see in the investor community that you have like a third, a third, a third. So you have a third that are entering the business at all times. So they've seen a Facebook ad or they listen to a podcast or interested in it. There's a third that's coming into the business at all times. There's also a third that's leaving mm. at all times. And then you have a third that's going to be there. Yeah. Okay. They're going to stay. And that's the people that really make this into a career. And so leaving the business, I think it is a serious threat to your business. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you know, and that comes down, it comes down to the ability the, the to trip. last. Like the most important, I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum. The most important thing in this business is having the ability to last. And so there are people that come in and I, I, frankly, I, I won't take them into the program because they're talking about, well, I need to see a check in the first 30 days. And it's like, well, you know, if that's your ability to last, then, you know, I, I think you probably have a, a half of a percent chance of getting a check in the first 30 days. And it's just because the transaction cycle lasts longer than that anyway. You right. know what I mean? Like it's tough to get a motivated seller, get an appointment, get it under contract, pull a title, get it closed, put a buyer in place and close again in a 30 day window. That's you know right. what I mean? So having the ability to last is, is just so important. And there, there were times because I, like I've talked about, it took me eight months to hit my first deal. 
And I had just made the commitment to myself that I was going to do the business or I was going to be on my deathbed asking the doctor as I could barely speak, do you have a house that you're hoping to sell? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's just what it came down to for me. It's like, I'm going to do this business or damn it, die trying. You know, and, and that's, you know, just having the ability to last is, I think, is important. Another thing that I want to touch on quickly, and luckily I don't have this problem. One thing that I see that is a serious threat to the business are spouses slash the, the naysayers that care about us. And so I've always had, I mean, my wife, we've, we've known each other since we were teenagers and started dating when we were 19. And, and I still say today, she believes in me more than I do. And that's a really, really good position because it's something that I feel so committed to my goals that if she wasn't along with me on that ride, it would create so much tension that I don't know how that would work, right? But having a position where you have a spouse that's a naysayer, that even maybe they feel like they're doing you a service, right? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. there are so many people that care about you that say, well, maybe you shouldn't do this because you'll get hurt. Or Could maybe, be a good buddy. Yeah. I mean, a good friend. And they, they mean well. But like for me, my father was one that he wasn't really a, a believer in what I was doing. And, and I could understand it because at the time I didn't even really know how to explain it. I was telling him a, a traditional real estate person, well, I'm going to take over someone's loan and they're going to deed me the property and then I'm going to sell it on what's called a wrap. You know, it, it becomes right, you know, and he doesn't know whether a, a wrap is a note or a, a sub sandwich. And so <laughs> that's kind of what you have. So keep in mind, like the people that are around you, even though they mean well, they can really impact your business because it affects this. And like, that's what we have to control is like what's going on in between our ears. And the whole idea of because this year I didn't make any money in this. I feel like I lost some money because I invested in training, let's just say. Yeah. So I'm going to quit at the end of the year. Well, I mean, if we're going to have that, think about that mentality. That means that next year, I probably am not going to eat about half the meals that I ate the previous year, which were shitty. And I'm probably not going to, you know, all the bar tabs I wasted uh, during that year. I mean, I'm, I can't do that next year. I mean, just think about the money we spend throw away in a year. We don't even think about it. We just repeat that cycle again the next year. And yet in this kind of a situation where you're investing in yourself, you're really not investing in real estate. You're investing in you. Yeah. And because it did not, I didn't get, you know, I didn't walk outside and there were apples laying all over the ground the first year. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to leave that orchard laying out there. Somebody else will come along, pick up apples that were supposed to be yours. So stick with it. Stick with it. Anybody have any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments on that? Yeah, Brad, I do. I've got a question about under threats. Um, and, you know, earlier you mentioned seven and a half million households behind. Do you consider uh, your buyers on all these mortgage, you know, owner finance transactions, is, is that a threat that they're going to stop paying? And, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have a lot of foreclosures on your hand. Like, you know, I was with family over Christmas and, you know, kind of like what you said about your dad, not being a believer in you. And, and this is like, just been like a tidal wave of feedback. Like, are you serious? Like, you're going to like, will like, you know, if the banks wouldn't lend to him, why would you? And so I'm, I'm just like, I know that this model makes sense. I'm a believer, but I'm just interested to know with someone who has arguably hundreds, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of, you know, owner finance transactions out there. Like, are, is that a threat or a concern? Yeah. So that's a really good question. It's a short term threat with a long term benefit. And so I feel like that's probably the issue with most threats is there a long-term benefit. So if we're in a situation where, and I mean, you can see on the board, I've got foreclosures, I've got Edmondson that I have to foreclose. I've got a couple, I'm sure on here, a couple more that I've got to foreclose. And so, you know, we're constantly in the process of foreclosing. But the thing is, and here's to talk to your family, I'm sure that they mean well, but our standards personally for going in and allowing a buyer to buy a property are probably higher than conventional standards outside of credit score. Okay. So the credit score issue is something we're not as concerned about, but our debt to income ratio is lower. Okay. I think 
Traditionally, that conventional financing goes up to 45%. I know it's 31% on the front end ratio. We're looking at 33%, one third of net income, not gross, where conventional standards are going off of gross. And we're not getting just a 5% down payment. We're getting real down payments. So like on the deal that Tony, his first deal, he got a 45K down, is on a $150 or so thousand dollar house, $150, $160,000 house. You know? And so we have people that are super vested in the property so we don't have these kinds of issues generally, no. right? Yeah, they're putting more money into our deals than they would have to put into buying at a traditional mortgage. Yeah. Through a traditional mortgage. Yeah. And so it, it keeps our paper really safe. Now, you know, all that to say, if we have a foreclosure and if you get enough notes, you will have foreclosures. If you get enough rentals, you're going to have evictions. You know, it's just kind of par for the course. And so if you have a situation where you have to foreclose, it's okay because we got a good down payment on the front end. Generally, in almost all circumstances, like that deal we have in Deer Lodge, you know, people improve the property. They improve the collateral position. We have a position where we, we get the property back. We resell it to a new buyer. We get another down payment. And generally, it's appreciated in that time. So it's paid off in the meantime. So our debt's lower we have an appreciated price and another down payment. So dude, I'm telling you in my entire career, I've never had a foreclosure hurt me. Never. Okay. Maybe that day's coming. It's going to take a lot, <laughs> you know, the way that we do things for a foreclosure to really hurt us. But you know, overall, I think that your, your family probably means well, but uh, they just don't know the business. And with the two or three that we have right now, are we still over 95% oh, yeah. of our notes? Our current. Yeah. Now, have we been patient with some of them? Yes. Um, but so, so has uh, Penny Mac. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're in a different kind of season, so we have been patient with some of them, but 95% or more. And like he said, I mean, the two or three that we've got right now, the work, it's sad, the work they did to improve that property they hand it back to us now and it's now worth more than it was when we sold it to them to start with. Yeah. I think we have four that we're foreclosing on right now. One of them gave me an additional $110,000 collateral position. Okay. So I have a second lien position on a property that has big equity that uh, makes the, the loan pretty, very, very safe. And then the second one, he improved the property to the extent that I've tried to get him to pay just something for a year. Cause I didn't want to take it. <laughs> Hope that makes sense. I don't want to jump into that too long. Twice we went and said, we'll take the seven months you're behind, put it on throw, the throw it on the back end of the loan. Just start from scratch here. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and we, and we still couldn't, couldn't yeah. make it work. But uh, to answer the question, will short-term issue, long-term benefit. And I don't think it's the, the issue is a big issue, not a big threat. Um, um, Brad, real quick. Uh, how long does it normally take you to foreclose? Yeah, it's going to depend on the state. So Tennessee's where most of our notes are. That's a deed of trust state, generally three, four, five months, depending. You know, uh, I know you're in a mortgage state. You're looking at six to nine months. Okay. okay. Yeah. Which is, again, because we own paper, that's a threat, the, the long foreclosure state. But it's a benefit because there's more people in the foreclosure at, at any given time in your state per capita, all things considered, all things equal. So there's more people to purchase from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any other threats you guys see in your business? I mean, it's it's a surmountable problem, but I, but running out of money is going to be a threat if I don't, you know, that's an action item for me moving into 2021 is just lining up some of the, you know, you mentioned the strength is, you know, your access to private money. Yeah. Uh, that's a threat for me at the moment. Okay. So let's talk about that real quick, guys. If we have a strong enough deal, the money will come. And I heard that for myself and I, I really doubted it. And I trusted it and it's always happened for me. Okay. So just keep that in mind. You know, if you transact well, you know, and this is the power of owner finance and against rentals, you know, a lot of people, they want to create rentals. Well, I mean, if you have a rental, there's always work to be done. You never have control over your cash or your cash flow. If you have an owner finance note, you're generally getting paid cash to take the note. So like one of the deals that we're working on with, with Will, I think it's 40 K walk away and he's probably going to get 30 K back as a down payment based on the price point. But I think he's going to have a $110,000 note and that note's going to throw off a grand a month, you know? So like that kind of a position, it makes sense to spend 10 grand on a $110,000 note that gives you a thousand dollars per month. Right. 
So understand what you mean. And we're working on this with Shane. So we got Shane Umstead in DC. We're going to be having a training with him in the next couple of weeks about some stuff that he has going. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. But I think it's going to solve that issue really for, for the group to a big extent. Anybody else have a threat that kind of comes to mind? I've got one. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think my biggest threat is that I will start to value the number of transitions I do over the value of a single transition. Transaction. Transaction, I mean. Yeah. So if I have a single transaction that renders me 40 grand uh, and I have four that bring me 10 apiece, I have worked four times as hard for the same amount of money. So I just want to, I just want to encourage you to look at the, the value of the transaction themselves. Yes. Yes. For most people that are trying to leave the job, if you did two transactions a year, then that's going to more than cover your income from that job. Okay. It's just two. So I, one of the things that I see as a threat to people's businesses, they don't feel like they're doing enough fast enough. They're not gaining momentum if they're not doing transactions quickly enough, you know, especially like in their first quarter to two quarters, you know, but the thing is we don't need that many transactions because like you take a wholesaler and this is one of the things. So me and Tony went to a real estate event. I paid 25 K for the, one of the main guys was there showing his tax return. He'd done 170 or so transactions that year. And we had done more that month with six transactions than he did that entire year with 170. You know, and so that's a value of owner financing. We're far more profitable with less work. We can scale faster and we hold long-term cash flow assets, right? So kind of keep that in mind. And that makes a lot of sense. Let's switch gears and talk about standards. And we're going to start kind of wrapping this up, I think, in the next 10 minutes. A couple of things I want to submit to you is we always meet our standards. We sometimes meet our goals, but we always meet our standards. And so like a standard for me is um, I want to eat lunch where I want to eat and not have to think about what the cost is. You know, so I generally eat at pretty decent restaurants at lunch. Uh, another standard for me, my office is right here. We've got like a six room office. My little girl and son's private school is right behind here. So I take them to school in the morning. I come to the office. Whenever I get out of my car in the morning, I can hear the kids play on the playground. You know, for me, that's a standard that I want her and my son to have that experience. I want them to be, it's a Montessori program. I want them to be there. So whatever I have to do, and that's a difference in a goal and a standard. It's like a standard is you are going to meet that standard or you will die trying. Okay. A goal is something that you set for yourself. Generally, it's like, well, that would kind of be nice, but it's not necessary, absolutely necessary for you in terms of who you believe yourself to be. So I think change always comes whenever two things happen. Number one, are where we stand becomes so painful that the energy it takes to change is less painful than where you're standing. So maintaining the status quo becomes so painful. And then you take that coupled with my identity changes to where who I am is no longer the person that lives that kind of life. My standards have now changed to the place that I'm going to be. Does that make sense? So if we change our standards and raise our standards to the point that we can self-identify with what that is, then I think that, that things really begin to change for people. You know, we see this with weight loss all the time. So like once someone identifies like I'm no longer this overweight person, I'm this person and the pain of maintaining the status quo becomes so much that they have to become that person, then that's where real change happens. And so I feel like that really came to my business when it's like, look, I have something to prove. Like I've got to create something and I have to create something big enough that it outlives me. And it's not about me anymore. It's about like, okay, creating something that becomes generational, right? So you guys can kind of take that and, and put that into your business. One of the things that we're going to have as homework is talking about what your standards are for yourself, not only for your business, but also for your personal life. What does that look like for you in terms of your relationships, in terms of a spouse? What does that look like for you in terms of relationship with your children, if you have children or uh, your fitness, your health, those kinds of things. So we're, really, we want to dive into that as well. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. 
moving on, in terms of a vision, I want you guys to begin to cast the vision without really talking about it in terms of finite numbers. So what does the vision look like in terms of, you know, being just being cash flow heavy in terms of, of having equity positions that create themselves without a whole lot of effort for you in terms of having excess cash and in terms of you making a positive impact on people and in the community. Okay. So just have a general idea of maybe what does a, a day, a successful day look like that you can feel really, really good about. And then we're going to on night three, begin to really anchor that in terms of numbers for 2021 uh, the last thing that I want to talk about is paid price to action. Okay. There's no such thing as a free lunch and this is no different. And so as we build our 2021 goals together, we have to realize that there's a paid price to action for all of this. So if you're willing to pay the price to create that goal, then you're going to be successful. But if you're unwilling, then that's different. And what I want you guys to spend some time doing over the next day until we meet tomorrow is really figure out what are you willing to give up for these 2021 goals? Mm. Okay. Like what's the, the price that you're willing to pay? And so one of the things we're going to be talking about is not creating conflicting goals. So I, I find a lot of people, they want to create everything in one year. You know, it's like, I'm going to triple my business and I'm going to triple my time with my children. Well, that's probably not going to happen. That's conflicting. You know, so what's the, the price that you're willing to pay? Are you willing to spend less time with your children to create that business so that they have something? Or, and I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do or not, but I'm saying there's going to be a price that you have to pay. And the price that people generally pay is certainty in their life. You know, are you willing to uh, have a little bit more uncertainty? Can you handle that? Secondly is time. You know, like we've already talked about with Raphael, it's going to take some time to create what we need to create. And so are you willing to hammer the phones? Are you willing to jump on the phone? Are you willing to lead generate? Okay. Another thing is risk of loss. Like Douglas was talking about, you know, are you willing to handle the risk of loss? And, and I'll, I'll say this for me, as we wrap up, I have an extreme fear of failure, but for me, failure is anything that's not successful. So, you know, if in your mind you have this idea of this is what success looks like and you're not living that already 100%, then you're already failing. And so the fear should be driving as a motivator to get you to where you want to be, mm-hmm. as opposed to thinking about, well, I might not get that deal or I might not create that. And if we look at that in terms of a five or 10 year spread, then it really becomes a lot easier to get there, right? And patience is a big thing in this as well. So, that's all I have to say. Anything, any thoughts on vision or paid price action? Okay. So in terms of homework for tonight, so I want you guys to do three things. I want you to do your SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Do it at length in terms of you and your business. Again, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and bring that with you tomorrow night. The second thing is write out your standards for yourself. So what is it that you're not willing to negotiate on ever? Okay. And then thirdly, I want you to think about paid price to action. What are you willing to give up to make 2021 what you're hoping for your business and hoping for yourself to create what you feel like you need to create? Okay. Anybody have anything they want to talk about? Any questions before we? I have a quick question. I kind of know the answer to it, but just just to have some, uh, you know, backup from you in a sense. Um, How how doable is it to this year? 2021 create six notes. It's very doable. That's what I think. Yeah. That's that's very doable. Just to make me feel good, that's all. <laughs> yeah, man. But remember, it's not about the transactions. Not about the transactions. But good question. We can definitely do that. Can you go, go what number two is again? Uh, number two is standards. Write down your standards. What is a non-negotiable for you in your life? What are you going to have for yourself no matter what? Okay, thank you. And can you go over one? Yeah, one is SWOT, S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Okay, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And guys, keep in mind, what we have to do is realize where we are in our position before we create goals that are either too big for us right now or even worse, undercutting ourselves. Does that make sense? And I just want to say, we're none of this is about you doing something that that we're not doing on a daily basis yeah i mean we i have the same fears 
I mean, sometimes I'm just overwhelmed with fear. Like, am I going to, I got four deals going right on at one time right now. And plus that's not counting my work with Brad. So I'm like, do I have time for all of this? Did I even remember the guy's name that <laughs> I'm buying this house from? And so, um, but com commit to the process, commit to slowing down and to the process. And then probably you can find some time. You're, we're spending it in other areas. So grab a little bit from here and a little bit from there. And it may mean that we, we don't do this as much or that as much or, but you can gather enough time to where you can do, I forget who brought it up. Um, if you have opportunities to put six notes together this next year, make sure that you have given the time, given the focus to be able to do that. 100%, 100%. Guys, I think that's a good place to end it for tonight. We will see you guys tomorrow night, seven o'clock central time. We're gonna be talking about overcoming the obstacles, but again, three things to do, SWOT analysis, number one. Number two, think about your standards. And number three, paid price to action. What are you willing to give up to get where you need to be? We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Thank you, Brad. See you guys.